Welcome you here this morning. If you're a guest, a visitor, welcome. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family Fellowship, and there should be right in front of you a card, looks just like this one, that says, I think it still says connection card, this one's been, been around a while, uh, but want to uh, invite you to take that and to uh, fill that out, drop that in the offering basket on your way out this morning. We'd love to have a record of you being here be able to reach out to you this week, pray for you, visit you, get to know you a bit, see if there's anything we can do for you, share a little bit about our, uh, this local body, the, uh, the church, and would, uh, would just like that opportunity, if you would, fill that out and drop that in the basket on, on your way out today. A few things to talk about. Uh, we have been memorizing a verse from Psalm 19. And so we have just a few more weeks of this month, and then we will look at another one next month. And so want to look at that real quick. We'll read it twice, and uh, we'll talk about really this first before the comma, and then next week we'll look at the, the part after the comma to hopefully help it solidify in our minds of what God's Word here says. So if you would read it with me, uh, let's do it twice. All right? So... The heavens declare the glory of God, and the the sky above proclaims his handiwork. I don't have it memorized as well as I thought I did. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, let's do it one more time. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Psalm 19.1. All right, so... The heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens above, plural, not one place, but the expanse above us. It declares, it proclaims, it tells us of the glory of God. We live in a world where there is so much ambient light, so much artificial light at night, and we're not able to see the expanse above us. But if you happen to get away from it, you're able to look at the, the sky above in the evenings. It's glorious. It's incredible. It's incredible the diversity, the complexity, the beauty of the heavens, of the universe above us. God made it, and it speaks. It tells us, it declares who God is, that he is glorious, he is great, he is grand, he is powerful, he is the Lord. The heavens declare the glory of God. So this is a good verse. I encourage you, memorize it, think about it. Meditate on what this means. It is, it's good. It'll be good for you. A few more things to talk about. So, preschool. There is a need in the preschool, the weekday preschool, for a teacher uh, that is just opened up. If you would join uh, Miss Nefa Moore in prayer for this position, maybe God would have called you to it, or you know of someone. Uh, there is a need there for a teacher during the weekday preschool and also for help during aftercare. So the end of the day, until parents come and pick up their preschoolers, uh, for there to be help uh, there, folks to work. And so 
uh, just would you just want to highlight that and also encourage you to be in prayer for the Lord's provision for someone in that position, in that place. Um, also, there is uh, the need for children's ministry leadership. If you would like to serve on a team of people in order to plan the next year and be involved with Pastor Ernie towards that end, talk to him. He is right back here. Blue shirt. I shouldn't say color. The shirt back there, it might not be blue. Um, and so go, go talk to him and, uh, and if you would like to serve in that fashion. This week, Wednesday night, Lord willing, we will be back together. We will be able to resume uh, gathering together on Wednesday night. Uh, for men and women, we'll have small groups together, kids, students. We, we, Lord willing, we'll all be back together this Wednesday evening starting at 6.30. And so um, if you need more information, come talk to me or somebody else. Share that information with you. But that is getting started this Wednesday. All right. Last thing. This past week, we've been praying for the Myers-Mallory offering. We've been praying for uh, this statewide offering, supporting various agencies and groups like Disaster Relief, uh, different ministries, uh, missions ministries within the state. And today is the day where we bring what the Lord has led us to give. And so would like to pray over those offerings. Um, we, we do not have a goal. There is a statewide goal that should be up on the screen in a second, but here amongst ourselves, there is not a goal. We, we simply, the goal is that you and I would seek the Lord for what he would have us to do, how he would have us to give, how he would have us to partner with, with other Southern Baptists in the state. And so if you would join me in prayer for the, the different ministries and missions of the state and also in prayer over what is what will be given today, not only here, but across the state for these ministries and this offering. So I would like to ask you, would you pray with me? Let's pray uh, for this and uh, for the ministries in the state and also for our time together this morning. So pray with me if you would. Father God, thank you that we have this time and this privilege to, to gather together around your word and around what you have done. That God, you have made the heavens, you have made the sky above that proclaims your handiwork, that you have created it, and that you are glorious. And so, Father, may our time together well represent you. You are glorious, you are great, and you are the Lord. And so, Father, would you be glorified in this time? Would you be glorified as we we center around your word and what you have done and who you are and what you have said. And so, Father, would you, Lord, speak to us this morning? God, I thank you so much for your grace, that you, out of your grace, you decided, you, before the foundation of the earth, you, Lord Jesus, decided that you would take flesh, you would come and give yourself for our corrupt sinfulness paying our debt on the cross, that you, God, came into our world. The uncreated took upon himself created flesh so that you could redeem to the uttermost what you made. And so, Lord, as you have done this, you have led the way, you call your people to the same. You call us to go and enter into dark places. You call us to enter into people's lives with the gospel of grace. 
eyes with the light of Christ in order that others would come to know you and be saved by your grace. And so, Father, I ask that, God, these, this offering, this, this Myers-Mallory offering, God, as it goes to support a variety of ministries and efforts in the state, Lord, that you would provide for those needs. You would provide ultimately that your gospel would be known. That, Lord, as day-to-day and night-to-night pours forth speech about your goodness and glory, that, God, that would be, that would be true of your people. That through these gifts, through these offerings, your people, Lord, would have the resources in order to be in positions to sing your praise and to glorify you through our mouths, by our lips, by our words. And so, Father, would you, Lord, provide through these gifts, through these offerings, provide for those ministry efforts, that your kingdom would grow, that the lost would be found, that those in darkness would come into the light of Christ. So, Lord, would you, would you bless, would you be with us, would you be glorified this morning? We thank you and ask all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church family, let's continue to uh, worship and stand together. Worship God in the song.
left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow
Good to see you this morning, and I, uh, those of you that were here last week know that I was not, uh, I was kind of down in the mouth, <laughs> okay, and uh, had, some, uh, had some oral surgery, and it really wasn't because I it was in, in such pain, it was in that they'd give me medication and they weren't certain, the doctor said, uh, I don't trust what you might say. Uh, so and uh, so anyway, thank you, Matthew, for uh, filling in last week. Uh, let me ask you to pray for Matthew. Uh, Matthew is way back there, uh, and Tara and their family. Um, as you know, uh, God has put it on their heart to adopt special needs children, and um, they have. Uh, uh, God has called them to also adopt Lucy's brother uh, from Taiwan. And so hopefully this next week he'll know when he's leaving. He'll probably be leaving within the next three weeks or so uh, to head to Taiwan for the adoption. And we'll be leaving Tara here. Uh, and um, I'm going to just say, say this, okay? Uh, you and I need to do what we need to do, what God tells you to do out of grace. He, ha he knows nothing about this. This is an extremely expensive undertaking. Uh, I don't know what range it's in, but it's probably in the 40,000 plus range. Uh, he has spent three weeks over there in quarantine uh, during this process. And... Uh, I know they've had some assistance uh, provided for them, but I do believe uh, by God's uh, sovereignty, uh, I was made aware of uh, some money that apparently had to be borrowed in order to make this happen, and, uh, and I'm just going to say that. So if God move on your heart to uh, help them out, then uh, let me encourage you to do so. Uh, you know that uh, Lucy has a, a genetic disorder, and she has it very severe. Her brother 
uh, has it, not quite as severe, and, and they feel called to take him in because they already have that experience of knowing the things to look for and what to do. And uh, so uh, be in prayer for him. And, and uh, uh, I just have one question. Uh, I know you're colorblind, so how did you know his shirt was blue? Did somebody tell you? You can see blue? It's sister, my, pro- my apologies. I, that tells you just why they shouldn't let me up here in the pulpit. <laughs> Apparently a week after oral surgery, okay? All right. But anyway, be, be much in prayer uh, for this process, okay? Uh, all of you are special, uh, but I have a special guest that's with me this morning, and uh, that's Ray sitting right there. Uh, Ray and I have reconnected of late since uh, about January of this year, uh, 50 years ago on uh, the last Thursday of July. He and another college student, uh, though they had been obedient to the Lord and other things, I know, but were obedient on that particular Thursday. And God used uh, their obedience, uh, his sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be the tool of the Holy Spirit to snatch my soul uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ from death, hell, and the grave. And uh, I'm delighted to have you here today, brother. Okay? So, uh, thank you. Uh, we have been uh, studying about the, our union with Christ. And uh, I've been led, I believe, from the Holy Spirit, or I wouldn't be doing this, to do a short series on the church. And it will be from different passages of Scripture. I normally don't do topical type uh, messages. Uh, It will be from specific text, but it will be about the church. And I want to talk today about the priority of the church. The priority of the church from the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and particularly verses 22 and 23. Good to see you, Zach. One of our own back home from Phoenix. We're glad to have you here. That's Snack Pack for those of you that are new. Uh, He used to be on staff here with us. And so we are glad to have you back with us uh, this morning. But Ephesians chapter 1 uh, verses 22 and 23. But I want to begin reading in verse 15. Uh, So if you'll follow along as I read uh, from God's word. It says, For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus And your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of glory. May give you the spirit of wisdom. And of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. This is what happened to me those 50 years ago. Hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand In the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, 
not only in this age, but also in the one that is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which, fill, which is his body. The church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so let's bow together for a word of prayer. And Lord, it, we know that you love your church. We know that you died for your church. We know that uh, your church is the visible presence of your body on this planet uh, since your resurrection from or your ascension into heaven. And Lord, help us today to understand, one, whether or not we're in that church and how we get to be in that church and then to fall in love with your church in the same way that you love your church. And then, Lord, through your church that you would reveal the glory of the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ to an unbelieving world. We need your help now by your Holy Spirit to understand these truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're just kind of picking up in a book. Uh, the title of it is, or the book is Ephesus. It refers to the place in uh, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Uh, it was a coastal community. Uh, it was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire at the time that Paul is writing this. Uh, it had been a very wealthy city. Uh, it was very prominent. But things had changed. And, and what had happened was uh, its uh, harbor had silted over and earthquakes had taken place and closed off its harbor. So it was no longer the uh, commercial uh, giant that it once was. But it had another thing going for it. It had the temple of Artemis there. Artemis uh, is the Greek version of Diana in, in, the Roman, in Roman mythology. And uh, it was the temple of Artemis that was one of the seven great wonders of the ancient world. It had a reputation around the world in its day. Well, why would you say all of this? Well, I would say this because it was, a, it was a very significant city. If you were to look at the United States and pick out our large cities, it would be uh, uh, comparable to one of our large cities. But it had lost all of its economic power. It was now a, a place of cultic worship. It was a place for people from all around to come for the purpose of worshiping Artemis. There was the selling of uh, trinkets and uh, metal objects. You might remember when Acts tells us about Paul preaching in uh, Ephesus and people begin to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the artisans are the ones that rise up and they say, uh, your preaching of the gospel is taking away our trade. You're taking our money away from us. And they got upset. Uh, this was a, a, a very pagan, dark religious culture. 
it, it, was, it was really bad. And as a, a great theologian said, which was my wife, uh, it was dark. I mean, it was dark. I mean, it was dark. Uh, to put it in her words. And it was. It was a dark city. And yet, what did God do to transform a dark, spiritually bankrupt city? He planted a church. He planted a church. And you and I look at our culture and we see what's going on. We look at our world and we see the trouble that's going on in the world and we begin to ask the question, what's the hope for America? What's the hope for Afghanistan? What's the hope for China? What's the hope for wherever it may be? And the answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the salvation that comes through telling others of the sacrifice of Christ for our Sin and he does that through his church. You and I know that the word church means to be called out and to assemble together. This is why it's been so hard during COVID. It's been why so many of us have struggled with some form of sadness, regression, selfishness, anger, depression. It, 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 yes, those are things that are revealed out of our heart, but we've missed out on community of the people of God in so many different ways. And uh, we, we in so many ways have reacted. Uh, in times we've been unkind and ugly in some of the things we've said. It's because the church is not just being saved. It's not just being born again. It's coming together. It's a gathering of one another for the purpose of, of hearing the proclamation of the Word of God, of experiencing God's grace with one another, of fellowshipping with one another, of loving one another. I can't help but think the, the evening, the Thursday evening when I was converted, uh, when I went to this Bible study that a uh, football player from Alabama uh, was hosting at his parents' house. When I walked on uh, Ray that night, when I got there, the guys were out playing ball. Some of these uh, college athletes were throwing the ball out in the, in the yard. And uh, I, I noticed something about them. I, I, I wanted to be a, a great athlete. I, I loved athletics. And I didn't notice how the ball spiraled when they threw it. I didn't notice how they caught it. I didn't... I noticed one thing in particular, how they loved one another. I mean, it really was. It was overwhelming. And it was, it was in that the Holy Spirit of God broke my heart. Uh, I didn't know that kind of love. And that's kind of what he's talking about here. So what does God do in a very self-centered, pagan culture? He plants a church. And so uh, I want to ask the question or maybe answer the question for us so that we can kind of understand what he's saying here in verses 22 and 23. And that is what, what is the theme of the book of Ephesus and, or Ephesians? And, and the reason why I want to give you the theme of it is is because um, 
both Colossians and Ephesians were what we called circular letters. Paul wrote both of them at the same time, apparently. And he gave it to someone to take around to different churches. And uh, I'll just, I'm going to quote two uh, theologians or two uh, commentators. William Hendrickson says, uh, If it be true that Coloss- in Colossians Paul dwells on Christ, the preeminent one, the only and all-sufficient Savior, then in Ephesians he discusses its corollary, corollary, namely the unity of all believers in Christ, that is, the glorious church. The theme, in essence, of Ephesians is he's talking about his body on earth, the church of Jesus Christ. Charles Hodge, in his commentary on Ephesians, says, The gospel, which ignores the distinction between Jews and Gentiles and unites all members of the church in one living body, destined to be brought forth into conformity to the image of Christ, is the theme of the book of Ephesians. So in Ephesians one twenty two, he says, And he put all things under his feet. He's really giving us, I believe, a priority. I can remember as a, as a young believer, pastors preaching and teaching on the priorities you ought to have. Here's, here's your list of priorities. And I, I remember this is kind of the way it went. Your first priority is Christ. Your second priority is your family. Your third priority is your church. Your fourth is work. Now that's what I was taught. And I'm going to tell you, I believe the Bible teaches something altogether different. And I'm going to give you a, a six-fold. You may say, well, I'm not sure. I'm going to disagree with you at some point. That's okay. You are free to be wrong, all right? <laughs> Uh, Christ himself is our first priority. Amen? I mean, we know that. As believers in Jesus Christ, our number one priority is Christ. He puts all things under him who is the head. Christ is the head. But I want to suggest to you the second priority in the life of every believer ought to be his church. It is his church. He is the head of which the church is the body. Now, a head is great when it's attached to a body. Right? I mean, come on. If I walk down the aisle with a head in my arms this morning, <laughs> you guys are walking out those doors right there. Right? Or vice versa. If I just kind of threw over my shoulder a body and carried it in here and you saw it didn't have a head, you're out of here. Adios. You see, they, they do what? They go together. A head with a body is, a, is living. It, it, is, it is tangible. It, it works. And so our first priority ought to be the head Christ, but our second priority, I'm convinced, should be the church. And i got to tell you, in church culture, church primarily is not second place. Most of us have been taught that family comes second. 
And I'm telling you, that's not right. I would say, and I, you may say these next two that I'm about to share fall under church or under Christ, but I think you and I need to be very particular that we understand this. The third thing is that I would suggest is His Word and prayer. I think those need to be priorities in our lives above everything else. Uh, I think it comes before family. Your devotion time, your time hearing from God has got to come before all other relationships. All other relationships are affected by your relationship with Christ. Amen? I mean, you know that. You walk in with Christ, somebody bumps into you. What comes out of you? Christ, generally. Right? I mean, you, you're filled with the Spirit of God. I mean, God has touched you and, and life hits you hard. Uh, that is what typically will come out. And so it needs to be a priority of our lives. Thirdly, I think sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be our fourth priority. Why would you say that? Well, I go back to these uh, concluding verses here. It says, he put all things under his feet, gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In other words, the church is where God fills himself up so that he might reveal and manifest himself to the world. Now, he uses individuals, but it happens out of the culture of a body of believers, that's how, there's no lone Christian uh, in, in God's service. That's not the way it's supposed to work. God's intention is that His church be on mission. And yes, when we leave here, we will be scattered as a church, but the way you and I will share the gospel of Jesus Christ will often reflect how it's presented in the pulpit, how it's presented in your small group when you're together, how you're encouraging one another, how you tell somebody else, let me tell you about my opportunity last week to share Christ with somebody. It's out of that that it flows. And God intends for it to be that way. And then I would suggest to you number five would be family. And I put that there because of this, because you and I need to remember, and as hard as it is for us to accept this, it is reality, is there's only one relationship that's actually going to last for all eternity, and that's the relationship of Christ being your and my Savior. Now, I love my wife. We've been married for 43 years now. But you know what we will not be in heaven? We won't be married. She will not be my wife in heaven. When I tell my 97-year-old mother that she's not going to be married to Billy when she gets to heaven, she goes, I don't like that. And I go, wait, you're married to Christ. I'm his bride. He's my husband. That's the relationship. It lasts. 
And we have a tendency to say, well, everything comes before the, uh, our family comes before the church because, you know, family was first. Family was made before the, before the church came into being. I say no. The church was created before the foundation of the world. Okay? It's his body. He called us to be in his body, his church, before the foundation of the world. Your name was written in the book of life, not when you confess faith in Christ, but before the foundation of the world. And so the relationship to the church that we're to have is to have a higher priority than our families. Jesus taught this, didn't he? He says, I mean, he used some strange language, didn't he, when he said, except you hate your father and mother... Brother and sister, I know there's, there's some siblings out there going, hey man, did you hear that? Unless you hate them more, than <laughs> you cannot be my disciple. He said, man, I must be God's disciple. What's he talking about? It's, uh, it's a hyperbole. It's an exaggerated expression saying that, that our relationship with Christ supersedes all other relationships. And our relationship to the church supersedes all. All other relationships. That is to be our priority. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. That's point number one. If you'll put it up there. Point number one. The priority of Christ. He is the head. He's the head. Ephesians 1.22. He put all things under him. His feet. He being the Father put all things under His feet, that is the Son, and gave Him Christ as the head. And uh, you'll remember it's in Colossians, that sister book to Ephesians, where in Colossians 1.18 he says, And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that, so that. He's a, telling the purpose. This is why this relationship should be. And when this relationship's right, that er in everything he might be preeminent or have the first place. So it's in this relationship of the body of Christ. I, I, I say I had to adjust some of my thinking in preparing this message. And I dare say most of us probably have to make some adjustment when you begin to actually examine what the Scripture says here and, and see what it says. It says, in order that Christ might have the preeminence in all things, there must be this relationship between the head and the body. And the body is not you and I as individuals. The body is... I'm, I'm just waiting for a southern version of the Bible. That says y'all. Okay? Because these yous here in, in Ephesians 1, they're all plural. They're not singular. And we have this tendency. Oh, I've got a relationship. I have a relationship with Christ. Everything is okay. But if I have a relationship with, with Christ, then everything ought to be okay with my head. He is my priority. But what else should it be? It should be his body as well. The church is where we find the unity of the Holy Spirit. According to the fourth chapter of Ephesians. It says there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There is a unity under Christ when we are connected to the head. Number two, there is the priority of the church. The church which is his body. Uh, and you and I have to ask this question, whose church is this? I don't, do you ever say this? Why don't you come, and come to my church? Well, sure, and that's not bad. I think that's the way we ought to say it. Would you come, come visit us at, at our church, at my church? But the reality is, you and I know that it's not our church because in Matthew 16, 18, the text you're very familiar with, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. On this rock I will build what? My church. It's his church. Who's going to see that it succeeds? He is. Now, you and I have this tendency of comparing church congregations one to another. And we do it all the time. And uh, sometimes we think back of a church maybe we were a part of. Oh, I, I remember those days when I was a teenager and I was going to Dolphin Way Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama. And man, things were just rocking and rolling in those days. And I go, oh, it'd be good to be back in those days. And you know what? I, I really don't mean that. I really don't. Do you know, what, you know what I've come to understand? I have found the best church in the world. And you know where it is? It's right here at Faith Family Fellowship. I mean that. If I did not believe this was the, what, wasn't the best church in the world, I'd go somewhere else. I think that's the way the attitude ought to be of every follower of Jesus Christ. I love my church I love this local body of believers I'm a part of it you hurt I hurt you bleed I bleed I bleed you bleed that's the way it is in a local body of believers are we perfect no we're so imperfect I'm amazed that God even allows me to stand in this pulpit it is only by His grace that He does allow me to stand in this pulpit and if we were to start pointing out all of our flaws well, we'll just start with you. How's that? No, we wouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. God adds to His church as seems good to Him to add. You're not a part of Faith Family Fellowship by chance. And you say, I am by choice, and you are, but God has directed your choice. God has caused you to sense something from the Holy Spirit of God. He has caused you to see something that maybe is missing. And you sense from the Lord, God is calling me to be that hand that happens to be missing in that body of believers. And that's the way God adds to his church. Now, I know he does through salvation, but I'm talking about uniting as a believer. This is the way it 
is to work. It's the way it's to operate. It's his church and he builds it. I can't build anything. Okay? Uh, Are you aware that it was a, a year ago that Sally hit? You know, it, it washed out the bottom floor of my mother-in-law's place there at Bear Point on uh, Perdido Bay. And uh, I didn't build anything back. Now, I'm good at shoveling mud. I shoveled mud. I knocked out uh, uh, muddy sheetrock. I, I did all kinds of manual labor. But when it came to building something, you know what we did? We hired a... Builder. We hired a builder. Somebody knows how to do it. And as a part of our priority as believers, we need to understand it. the priority is it's Christ's church. And how does he love his church? Yes, he loves his church. I, I, I love the words uh, of Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If Christ loves his church, what should I do? I should love his church. And I know there's a sense in which there's the church universal, but listen, you can't, you can't see the church universal. You know what church you can see? Your church, the church where God has placed you and put you, and you and I are to love that church, warts and all. I mean that. And yet we've got them. The song says, from heaven he came down and sought her to be his holy bride. And with his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. Christ loves his church. It needs to be our priority. I knew I was going to run out of time this morning. Can y'all grant me just a couple more minutes for point three? Point, thank you. I heard one person say it over. Thank you, Ray. (laughs) That's why I brought Ray this morning. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Number three is the priority of, and I'm going to use a very popular word, but I I, I think it's 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 an appropriate word. Community, the priority of community as it relates to his church. Because notice what it says there in verse 23. The church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. If you and I are going to experience all of Christ, it'd be real easy to say, well, I can do that on my own. Well, The answer to that is, yes, if you're planted as a missionary out in an area that doesn't have a church. But as soon as God has planted you as a missionary in a place that doesn't have a church, what's your assignment as that missionary? Plant a church. Grow a church. Start sharing Christ with other people and see them born again into the Spirit of God. And then you've got a church. There's something about this idea of community. Now let me ask a quick question. How do you get to be a member of Faith Family Fellowship? The same way you get to be a part of God's family. 
You've got to be born again of the Spirit of God. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 was referenced uh, by Alex in his prayer. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, not anything that you and I can do. Or we would do what? We would boast. We would brag about it. It's not my faith in Christ plus something else I add to that. It's Christ alone. Christ saves us. And man, when he saves us, he saves us for eternity. And so they're, they're, that's how you become a part of Faith Family Fellowship. Same way you become a part of his universal church, the body of Christ. That's how you become a part of this fellowship. And he brings us near, the text goes on to tell us, tell us uh, there in the second chapter, he brings us near by the blood of Christ. He reconciles us uh, who were once enemies. And I don't know how many enemies you had before coming to Christ, but I had a multitude of enemies. But it is in Christ that we are, we are no longer enemies, but we're reconciled together. So that verse 18 says we both have access to one spirit by the cross or through the cross and by the Father. And we're citizens, verse 19 says, with saints and members of the household of God. And in verse 21, it says we are joined together. There's this, this tightness of a community of believers in which we grow into the holy temple of the Lord. So the church is, this is how you become a part of it. It, it has this great blessing of being in it. And, and it is in the church that we come to know the fullness of God. Chapter 3 of Ephesians, Paul in verse 18 says that we might comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses understanding. It is the church through which this community of believers through which Christ reveals himself to the world. The fourth chapter of Ephesians, he says he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain unto the unity of faith. You see, this is how it works. <laughs> it's not a complex equation. A plus B equals C. And that's the way it is. John Chrysostom. They, his last name means golden tongue. I've got titanium tongue right now, okay, from my surgery. But he was called old golden tongue. He lived in the fourth century. He was a, he was a pastor. In, what we, in, in Istanbul today. And uh, he said, let, let, let us reverence the head. Let us reflect on what, the head, what head we do have. Talking about Christ. And then let us think about the fact that we are his body. He is the head to whom all things are to be put in subjection... As his body, we are to do this well. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, yeah, priority is Christ, the head. Priority is the church, 
through which is to be connected to that head through faith alone in Christ alone. There's a community of believers where God has added you to uh, through which you get to see all of him through our successes and our failures. But the one thing that you and I need to make sure we do as followers of Christ is we need to be in submission to the head. There's a little verse in Hebrews chapter 2, it's verse 16. You may not have grasped it. I don't know how many times I've read it and didn't grasp it. But it makes this statement. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Now who are the offspring of Abraham? We are. Do you see where his priority is? The priority of Christ is for his church. It's for his people. And we are in union with him through faith in Christ. And we are to be a body that is submitted to him. Now, let me ask you a question. If all of a sudden part of your body quit responding to your head, what would you do? You'd go to the doctor, wouldn't you? You'd go to the doctor. And let me ask you another question. What if all of your body quit responding to your head? What would you do? You would go nowhere. Right? <laughs> You'd go nowhere. You see, it's when the body is in subjection to the headship of the head that we experience what it really means to be a child of God. Some of us have been hurt in church. We've seen hypocrisy in church. We've been hypocrites in church. We failed each other in church. Tell me a family that has not. The church is the body of Christ. And it's through this unique organic group that you and I not only get to experience Him, but share Him with an unbelieving world there was a there was a uh, complaint that the Lord had about the church of Ephesus he wrote it in the book of Revelation and the second chapter he says man you guys are so great at defending the truths of the gospel you hate evil you are enduring through trials, but I have this against you. And what was it? You've left your first love. You left your first love. I want to suggest to you today, fall in love with Jesus. It may be for the first time. Uh, there may be somebody here who says, you know what, I've not, I've not allowed Christ to have first place in my life. That probably reveals that you've never been born again of the Spirit of God. Christ is to have first place in all things. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, that is an evidence that you belong to Him, that I belong to Him. Have you been born again of the Spirit of God? Have you been saved by His grace? If you've been saved by His grace, and, and, and there may be uh, trails that you'll run down for a while and, and depart from your love relationship with Christ, but what's Christ going to say to you? I have this against you. You've left your first love. Come back to me. Repent is what He told them. What does repent mean? Turn around. 
come back to me. Somebody here for the first time needs to fall in love with Jesus and be saved. You need to come in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ who loves you so much. He bore all of your transgressions, both past, present, and future. He bore it in himself on the cross of Calvary and said, I love you so much, I want to regenerate you, make you a new person, and take you to heaven with me and live with me forever. Wow! That's amazing grace. Some of us need to fall in love with him again. You may say, well, I, I'm in pretty good relationship with Christ right now. And that is fantastic. But I dare say many of us need to say, I'm just not quite in love with Jesus as I once was. Fall in love with him. Well, how do you fall in love with somebody? I don't, I mean, I don't know. It just happens, doesn't it? You know, I just, if I... If I look at my bride's face for very long, it doesn't take much for me to recount just how kind and gracious and loving and faithful she has been to me all of these years. And you know what it causes? It causes me to fall deep, more deeply in love with her. All you and I need to do is look at the Lord Jesus afresh and we'll fall deeply in love with Him. But secondly, we need to fall in love with His church. We need to. We need to repent of the times that we've gone. Eh. Eh. Everybody say, eh, with me. Eh. <laughs> you say, why? Because you and I say it all the time. We do. We say it way too much. And we say it too much about each other. And we need to repent of that. Because you know, nobody can live the Christian life except Christ and it is Christ in you that's the hope of glory fall in love with your church fall in love with his word fall in love with obedience to Christ fall in love with sharing him with other people the church you and I need to love it because Christ love it, loved it loves it today he loves faith, family, fellowship the same way he loves another congregation of believers. And I realize not every congregation is truly following Christ. And that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about this church. This body of believers. And it may be that God's leading you to come and be a part of faith, family, fellowship. There's something you've seen. There's something that the Holy Spirit said to you. There's this drawing you that says, I'm adding you to this body of believers. So it may be that you need to come be a part of the body of Christ by salvation. It may be that you need to come to be a part of the body of Christ because you have been saved. And you say, God is leading me to plant my life in this community of believers. And uh, I pray that God will make that absolutely clear your soul today let's bow together in prayer and father I I know I could tell some heart-wrenching stories but I think the most heart-wrenching story is that you shed your blood you poured out your life you breathed your last breath on the cross of Calvary and you had said right before that, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And by your grace, every believer 
has come to experience the greatness of your love and the fact that you baptize us into the body of Christ it is your body and Lord you intend for us to be in submission to you as our as our head and you've called us to love each other and by this love will others know that we are your disciples and that's true not only of the believer that we like that belongs to another local con congregation but Lord it also means everybody within this fellowship and help us today to fall in love deeply with each other and to return to our first love and that is that great commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and to love our brother as ourself I pray in Jesus name Amen